Now, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. We are speaking with the one and only Danny Filth. The new album is Existence is Futile. And uh, Danny, as we say here in Montreal, bonjour. How are you? Uh, ça va. <laughs> ça va très bien. Right. Over in the UK, you do have to take French classes in, in school, don't you? Well, we try not to. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the English people here in the, in our schools. Um, but uh, there you go. Uh, welcome, as we say. Um, talk to me quickly about existence and futile. And, and let me get into the whole philosophy of the thing. Is it really a sort of a philosophical point of view that you have that our entire existence is futile? Or is it just fodder for an album? Um, with the album... Um, it stems from a sense of existentialism that came from three years of touring the world extensively. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, you only go to big, sprawling metropoli, metropoli, metropolises, Sisyphus, <laughs> um, big cities, right? Uh, as opposed to villages. And um, <laughs> naturally, uh, just got the over overwhelming sense of dread at some point that you know that we've been overpopulated and where 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 are all these people coming from and how how are they being fed and it was just this thing that just pervaded my, my mind for a while and uh, started reading a little bit of existentialist literature and yeah so when it came to the album we were writing stuff on the road it just seemed very apt to take that and put it into a biblical into the biblical context into right. a biblical context um, I like uh, St. John's, the Baptist book of Revelations. Um, you know, we have a St. John the Baptist day in Quebec here that we celebrate on the 24th of June every year. So you should, oh, really? you, you should come and play a concert on that day. But, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, this, is, this is where it came from. And, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a viewpoint and, and good fodder, like I say, to, 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 to marry this selection of records of songs together. Right. But um, as well as being very nihilistic, obviously it's very negative. It sounds very negative. Right. But I think you can look at, you can see a glimmer of hope in the title because if you take that as a, as a statement of fact and that existence truly is futile, so there's no grand overarching spiritual plan for us. No, you know, um, no, no agenda that God has no, paradise at the end no mecca then it kind of says well we're here as part of evolution you know we're right. we're lucky to be here because we're just like floating on a speck of rock right. you know the infinity of space and uh we obviously not here for a purpose but we, we're here and so we should enjoy what we have what we have as life but there's, a, there's, a, there's also the underlying message that you know we have to treat it with respect, that we don't just crash and burn, set everything alight and, you know, leave it a, a, a littered mess, which is kind of the way the world is being left at the, at the present. So um, I don't want to get too sociopolitical on the album. Uh, obviously, the neoclassical lyricism is still there. I don't, you know, mention sports cars or high-rise buildings or, or big-titted women. That's the next record. <laughs> <laughs> that's right the next record is just going to be called rock and roll all night with cradle of filth no but 
So you're saying that the, in the end, then it's a positive message. So you're sort of saying, listen, existence is, is, is futile the way you're describing it, but maybe we should embrace it for what it is and take our 75 years or 80 years or whatever on earth and actually just make it worthwhile rather than what we're doing. Well, absolutely. I'm not saying rather than what we're doing. I mean, you know, that's each to each to their own. But yeah, I guess so. And the last track in the album is almost like a celebration of that. Us Dark Invincible. Talking about the people who actually uh, are buying the record, listening to the record, that clique of individuals who have a penchant for, for gothicism and the such like, um, that this is our world, you know, it's everybody's world, but this is our world. This is our moment. Let's, let's embrace it together. Yeah. Talk to me about the, about the fans. Sorry, I can't hear you. What was that? I said it ends on a, on a positive note. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did listen to the album and, you know, listen, I'm, I'm for, I'm more of the Bon Jovi, Def Leppard kind of guy. And I've seen you in concert and I love it. It is a great, it is a fantastic performance, you know, uh, talk to me about the click that follows you and, and, and the people that follow in the sense that, to me, isn't the whole point of having an, an artist and a career to get as many people under the tent and making yourself as accessible as possible and, and creating music that, you know, like pop music that everybody's going to listen to? Talk to me about choosing this kind of music and, and sort of having that limited audience. Um, well, that limited audience is, is a pretty fairly substantial audience. Yeah. And loyal. I'll give you that. Very loyal, yeah, I, I, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we we fitted into a niche of our own, mm-hmm. you know, that we we cult, cultured and um, and built around us. And um, you know, like you say, we have these devout followers of what we do, right. uh, what we what our imagery is about, what our lyricism is about, what our videos are about. Um, and yeah, they're very devout. Absolutely. It's almost like Catholicism. <laughs> it, it really um, is. And by the way, I, I, I do notice that you say you're what you do because you don't buy into genres. You don't care about black metal, death metal. You're cradle of filth. That's all you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we cherry pick, we have cherry picked from various uh, subgenres in the past, you know, soundtracks, class, classical mm-hmm. music, uh, death, doom, gothic, thrash, you know, you name it. At the end of the day, we just write songs for ourselves. Right. And I always like like the idea that when you when you talk about bands like Metallica, Iron Maiden, you never say, have you heard of that band, that Bay Area post-thrash? You know, <laughs> you should go, no, it's Metallica, and everybody knows who it is. The same with Iron Maiden, you don't say, or do you, do you know that, you know, British new wave of, the new wob band. No, you're right. And and I'm particularly, uh, I have a great disdain for the genres because when I grew up and you you look back at the charts on heavy metal charts, you had everybody from Alda Nova to, to Bon Jovi to Brian Adams to, to Iron Maiden. And now it's new postmodern. And this, it's like, shut the fuck up. It's rock. And, I mean, you, you think those um, analogies and those descriptions are only there for for so you can find CDs in record shops, but there are no record shops. Right. And it's silly. And, and every so often, and, and I'll get back to you to say, I get these um, pu- um, 
you know, uh, press releases from, from publicists and it says the new gothy pod and it's just like, shut the fuck up. What's the band? What's the music? Let's go. <laughs> stop, yes. all these, stop with these descriptors. Um, when you're writing these, these things and you, you do have the classical interludes, talk to me about that. Cause this album, the, uh, existence is futile. It has those moments where it goes into those segues, which is actually really well done. Talk to me about that. Were you creating sort of an, a rock opera in a sense? Um, I, th I see them as bookends. Okay. Kind of like the headings. The album has nine songs per se, proper, you know, like proper music, drums, right. etc. And then you've got these segues that are like a minute, minute and yeah, a half, and they're, and they're brilliant. Yeah, well, it divides the album into to three parts, to three bite-sized portions. Right. Um, and yeah, they, they colour the album. It, it has a soundtrack. It's very cinematic. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of lays the path for what's coming ahead. And I think it's almost like a palate cleanser as well. It's the um, it's the ginger and uh, wasabi that you have to take before you, <laughs> you take another bite of um, the next three songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you you mentioned cinematic. I've seen your show and I've seen it a couple of times at the Metropolis and at the uh, this rock fest. Uh, you are a visual band. How important is it that the songs have that cinematic representation so that when you get on stage, there's something to do and something to show and not just, here's here's Danny in his sneakers and his flannel shirt staring at his kneecaps? Well, I, I think every every facet of a band is important. Well, for us at least, you know, right. lyricism, artwork, um, you know, overall presentation, the the. The, the way we dress, the way we present ourselves on stage. I mean, the videos, the first two um, single, we're about to engage on a third video very shortly, but the first two, Crawling King Chaos and Necromantic Fantasies, I think uh, really, you know, bring out the character of the tracks and give someone right. that extra, so something a little extra to in, indulge in. So it becomes a lifestyle more than just, you know, a two-dimensional, um, you know, thing like the music is so transparent can be so transparent nowadays it's treated with transparency i mean like it seems like it's a free gift to people nowadays if you take streaming platforms the amount of money but for example won't say which one but the biggest one 20 20 million plus plays and i, I got less than like a uh, hundred euros so this is how the music industry is being treated it's almost like a free gift it so is. And that makes it feel very transparent, very two-dimensional. What we want to do is to, you know, if you want to sell a product, you have to give everything to it. You want people to, like, open it up and go, oh, my God, this is great. This is a work of art. I want to have this in my house. I want, I want to own this. I want the vinyl. I want the splattered disc. I want to put the artwork on my wall. I want to actually read the lyrics, you know. I want them to have them at hand. But and and by the way, uh, on in the podcast broadcast world, uh, I got a wonderful check after tens of thousands of plays for uh, thirty-four bucks this month. Very exciting! This <laughs> is very fucking exciting. Uh, oh, it's it's terrific. You and I are volunteers. If you didn't realize, yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the welcome to the rock volunteer program this morning. Um, in terms of lyrics, because th this album really focused on more real-world problems. It really was talking about what was going on out there. Probably like the, the first time you've really broached, you know, the, the the current situation. 
does each song reflect sort of a general truth or was there specific things like you're off on tour and you're in Paris and you go, oh, that, okay, I'm going to write. Are these specific topics or more general topics and, and sort of what got you writing on this? Um, some are general, some are a little more personal. Okay. And like I say, it um, orbits around the theme of existentialism. Existentialism. Existentialism, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, some, are, some are general, some are more personal. And like I say, um, the theme of the album just came out from a, a general feeling of, of dread, of, um, uh, you know, the, searching for the meaning of life or the, the meaningless of, of life. Uh, as you get older, and obviously everyone does, I'm now 48. I've been doing this, you know, like this is our 30th year as a band. Wow. I'm admitting it. Somebody said that earlier on. I was like, great, thanks for reminding me. How does that make you feel? And I just went, really old. <laughs> hey, listen, but, yeah. I did yeah. my first interview on uh, June 9th, 1980. I am, I'm exhausted, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but let me just quickly get, get back to these lyrics. When you look back at, for example, Cruelty and the Beast that you just toured, you're talking about the Blood Countess, uh, Elizabeth Bathory. You're going back into the history. You're, you're 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 taking stuff from a historical perspective. Was it different for you this time to write from a more current perspective? Is it something that you liked doing to have that urgency, or do you want to go back to sort of legendary stories, legendary myths? Uh, do you prefer the real world kind of like okay, this happened, let's write, boom, existence exist existence is futile. Or do you like sort of the, the concept stuff? I like, well, concepts are, 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 are very hard to do. You know, we're right. talking about true concepts where it's A to Z. You know, it's like uh, it's like reading a book. Everything fits in. It's not just a, uh, satellites orbiting a main theme. But this album also has a lot of biblical, historical references as well. Like I say, the lyricism always very neoclassical. I can't get into doing anything too modern in that respect. Um, the album cover is very reminiscent of that. Mm -hmm. um, borrowing from um, Hieronymus Bosch's The Garden of Earthly Delights and, and the hellish right-hand side triptych. Um, and you've got the, the, the burning Tower of Babel in the background. It has a very biblical um, essence to it, especially the song Black Smoke Curling from the Lips of Warfare, which is kind of based on the whole Babylon um, mythology from the book of revelations um and attributing that to you know world disorder but yeah i mean obviously i love the gothicism of historical things like Jules de ray and lucifer and lilith and as you said elizabeth bathory and there are hints of that necromantic fantasies is pretty much a gothic love song um but I don't know. This had, this had to be a breath of fresh air, really. Maybe we'll go back to that. I'm not sure. I don't know where we're going to go from here. But this is our 13th studio album, and as I said, our 30th year. So yeah. um, who knows? I mean, we have material written because uh, obviously the lockdown afforded us not only the chance to really work on this record and get it produced to the way we wanted it, but, yeah, once that was done, we were like... What we're going to do now? Let's try some more material. <laughs> That's right. That's what we do. Yeah, talk to me about the about the thirty years because you you do have your niche, you do have your thing. Have you ever thought at one point said, "Listen, 
Metallica was sort of thrash metal and Megadeth was thrash and then they sort of, you know, brightened it up to get that that the stadium level stuff. Have you ever said to yourself, maybe we should maybe make it a little bit more accessible and and be more more of a radio friendly rock band? Have you ever considered that or you just this is what we are and I'm not moving. I love it here. No, that's not necessarily true. We we've had some massive hits when we were on Sony we had did an amphetamine, but then suddenly all the record companies, all they wanted was us to write material like that. And we kind of we we kind of went toward that and the fans shirked away from it. I mean, what Metallica, Megadeth, it was very lucky. I mean, there were, you know, you've got a billion bands around the time of Metallica and not, you know, how many made it during the big grunge revolution? Literally none apart from Metallica, they took a few other people with them. Even Anthrax did, you know, who were huge. They were like number three in the thrash work. Well, well, number well, three. Big four, one of the big four. Yeah, one of the big one of the big four behind Slayer, maybe. Um, they didn't really make it. They did well for themselves, don't get me wrong, but they didn't reach those dizzy and echelons that Metallica did. I think that's a real freak thing. And I think when people try to do that, it becomes as very contrived and people can see through that. Um, and you know you're gonna be. Are you? Am I happy? You know, like I don't know being a millionaire. Or do I want to be? You know, uh, a zillionaire. Do, you know, do, are you happy with your life? Are you happy with the things you're doing? Are you happy with the creative works? Uh, the answer is yes. I mean, yeah. yeah like I'd love a, a second yacht, for example. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let me just talk about that. Let's talk about the economic realities. How how well, how well does does a band like Cradle of Filth do? I mean, is it a luxurious existence? Does the merch really sell that much where you actually have a million-dollar home and can do that well? I mean, I know it's a bit of a private question, but is it big business? Oh, it's, it's, it's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, it's not about money at all. As I said, it would be contrived if it, was, if it really was about that. Um, and we have branched out, you know, like I've done um, some things with some strange bands, like, well, not strange, but different from this, like a juxtaposition, a chalk and cheese thing with Twisted and 69 Eyes and Bring Me the Horizon. And believe it or not, we're looking at, I've been in conversations with Ed Sheeran of, every, of all things about. That's great. Yeah, about doing something. You know, I love breaking convention. You know, I mean, it's quite easy for me to do some guest vocals on, you know, another extreme metal outfits band and, you know, music. But I, I think the challenge and the um, the combination of extremities is what I like. I think it, it really works. And it also plays with people's, you know, fucks with people's um, perceptions. And that's what I think Cradle of Filth are all about, really. Yeah, and that's and that's what we love. Um Talk to me about your voice, because you've been doing this for 30 years. At some point, doesn't sort of the blast beats and the extreme singing, don't you sort of just go, oh, all right, maybe I'll just tone it down, because I have to think that you've you've probably had polyps and other, I mean, this is harsh on, on anybody's physical being. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, funnily enough, no, I, I, well, I... 
the only time it became a problem was I actually gave myself what, what is uh, a singer's lockjaw, where um, where you just use, it's like tennis elbow, where you've used the muscles so much that it just locks up. And uh, then I started seeing a co a, 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 like a, a doctor that that usually deals with throat manipulation for opera singers. Wow. Um, no, it's all about technique. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's. I mean. It was hard singing like this back in 98 and, it, you know, when we did Cruelty and the Beast and yet we've been touring it recently. And, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, what's changed in my vocals is more that I personally want to ha have clarification. I want people to hear every word and right. it's hard to scream and make that, you know, clinically audible. Uh, that's harder than just screaming and, and just sounding like a, a strangled cat. So um, it has got harder, but of technique and, you know, you hone your art. Right. So, well, I mean, you work on it. You're not just, you don't just show up on stage and go, ah, right. I mean, you. you... Well, I, I'd like to think that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Cruelty and the Beast, you have been touring it. You've been doing sort of the whole concept show. Talk to me, because there's so many things about touring. There's the COVID context. There's the fact that you have the new album, but you're touring the other album. Um, just talk to me about about that. And do you see yourself doing a full existence as futile tour at some point? Or do you want to keep going with the Cruelty and the Beast? No, no. The Cruelty and the Beast was booked in before we actually knew. We, we took a punt. Right. We knew it was dangerous coming to the States. We knew, you know, it could be shut down. People could get ill. There were COVID protocols put in place. Even to get to America, we had to jump through so many hoops. We had, I mean, we, the reason we didn't come to Canada is obviously, you know, people say, why didn't you come? Well, it's obvious we couldn't come at that point. Right. Whether you could, whether everything opened, I don't believe it did. But anyway, the point of it was we, we even had to get special, special, special visas for like the top 5% of people. They weren't letting anybody in, so we had to prove the... We were a worldwide band that we sold. We were on front covers, blah, blah, blah. We had to go to Ireland to actually pick the visas up in person. I mean, it was so hard even to get to the States, even before the protocols, the, the masks backstage, you know, no people backstage, uh, PCR testing in some of the venues to get in. That's always a right. Imagine, like, I don't know, our drummer suddenly got ill, and then you go, well, we're just going to have to leave him in Chicago for 10 days. It's, you know, we took all those risks and, and fortunately we were one of the few bands that, that persevered, got to the end. We had a great time. I mean, getting back and touring is just amazing anyway. So we fulfilled basically what was, we did Cruelty and the Beast completely around the world. America were, and Canada obviously were the last places we hadn't did it. So we tried to fulfill right. that aspect of it. And luckily it was around the release of our new album. So it bolstered that as well. Yeah, it worked out great. Um, the other band that you work with, uh, or a side project, if I can call it, Devilment, is that on hold? Is that active? Is that eh, focused on this for now? Yeah, it's a bit of a permanent hiatus with that band. Okay. Just because um, under new management, uh, we're managed by the Oracle Management, which is Des Fafara and his and his yep. wife, obviously Des from Devil Driver, Cold Chamber, uh, one of my closest friends now. Absolutely, you know, like building this band up. When we go out, we have huge, you know, when we go out in Europe, we're going to have a huge production next year. We've got loads of shows, but we can't really, I don't want to jinx them for a start. We're actually, right. we're 
talking with our tour manager and a booking agent right now. I think we're trying, everybody's trying to make the best of next year. I don't think Australia and Japan and a lot of um, Asia are going to open up, let's be honest. I mean, I don't even know if Canada's going to open up. It might Things might close down again, you know, lockdowns might come. Well, ca- Canada, but- at least Quebec, is currently open at 100%. We've got Genesis here next week. Two shows at the Bell Centre, totally sold out. So, Well, that's good. That's a start, isn't it? We'll see. That's a Genesis. <laughs> that's Genesis. Well, Buck Cherry just came through town, and they, they played to a full crowd. Well, you know, full Buck Cherry crowd. So, you know. Well, let's hope. I, I, I would say God willing, but maybe not. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully next year. I think, we've, I mean, we've got a five-year plan, so we kind of know what we're doing for the next two years. And a lot of stuff will be announced very shortly. But again, you know, everything could go tits up. You just don't know. This no. is the, the current scenario. It's a and, crazy time. Uh, absolutely. And we'll just have to soldier on and uh, turn our attention to other things. We've, we've got comic book series out, with an anthology, in fact. We've got beer. We've got a new um, Blood Red Gin coming soon. We've got some figurines, you know. Oh, good. Things around periphery of the band that just add to the lifestyle context taking away from the 2d yeah I, well, I love that by the way i love full bands like that the metallicas and the kisses that give you music and then the, all the other stuff um I'll, I'll i'll start wrapping up on this you are sort of the original oh, what you just i think you're gonna start rapping yeah i'm gonna start <laughs> rapping no i'm gonna start wrapping up but i could rap it would be horrible but i could um i'll just sit so- back for five enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and watch everybody to tune out real quick. Um, you're you're sort of the last member uh, of the original formation. Talk to me about all the member changes because when you look at a Kiss or you look at that, people go, "Oh, Ace Frehley, we got to have him back." A Cradle of Filth, you can sort of you know punch him in and punch him out. Do the changes enhance the sound or change the sound or make it better because you're getting fresh ideas and fresh ways of approaching the songs, or do you think? Oh, man, we should do a reunion tour. Uh, well, firstly, we've, we've only sat, I think we've had 32 um, ex-members. We've only sat, I think, three of those, and they were very early days. Um, people leave for multitudes of reasons or depart, you know, can't handle it or they think they can do it better, et cetera, et cetera. But with each fresh blood, no, it, 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 it does rejuvenate, um, much like... Uh, Elizabeth Bathory in her bath. It rejuvenates the band. Um, the current lineup has been together, aside from the, the keyboardist swap, right. uh, for the last eight years. Our drummer's been in the band for now 15 years, basically. So it doesn't, I mean, that seems like a lifetime in itself. I mean, you get you get less for murder in some countries. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's, I think it's a great lineup. We're very good friends. We've gotten well. We've got great. It's not only them; it's the crew. We've got. We call them the crew of the filth, uh, management. All the people that are around us enable us just to do the one thing that we're born to do, and that's to make music. It keeps all the you know the parasitic crap that we shouldn't really deal with. You know, monetary things and you know this and that and tax and that out of our hair, so we can concentrate on you know being the Peter Pan. Wannabes. <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way, I, I, again, like like I'm not a big fan of genres. I, I don't care if a band changes. I just want to hear the songs. That, that's all that really matters. And uh, I'll finish on this. 
Lyrically, uh, you've been accused of being a, a Luciferian, a, a devil worshiper, blah, blah, blah. Is that a philosophical point of view that you ascribe to, or is it just lyrical content to put on a Cradle of Phyllis show and just give some kind of, you know, imaginary representation that people, you know, are, are you doing, you know, sort of a, a movie or, or, are you, or are you a true believer in all of this stuff? Um, I think I think both, to be okay. honest. Okay. Uh, my house is testament to that fact. Um, I have a hard job getting, um, uh, you know, builders and carpenters to stay. They come and quote and then they don't never come back again. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've, I've affiliated myself with lots of different things. But I, I, I just enjoy, um, I revel in the ideology of the gothicism and everything that goes with it, literature, artwork, you know. I love horror movies. I, I love reading about the occult. I used to study it a lot more when I had more time. Right. Um, no, it, it's it's the real deal for sure. It just so happens that we're able to project it out into the general populace and make a living from it as well. You've got to enjoy what you do. Otherwise, what's the point? Like I said, it just right. becomes contrived. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, Existence is a Futile is the new album available now and of course hopefully the band will get over to uh, Montreal and Canada next year uh, Danny we've we've met two or three times before always a pleasure on at least on my half on my behalf uh, thank you toujours un plaisir yeah, my, yeah thank you for the interview really cool and thank yes you. we are come, we're definitely going to come to Canada next year you know hello high water Oh, and by the way, the publicist had one question for you. She said, you have to ask him this. What's next for Danny Filter? That's what she wanted. She, she wanted me to know that. What's next? Maria what's said. Next? Yeah, she said, uh, ask him uh, Ask him what's next. Well, after a couple of more interviews, I'm going to run myself a nice, hot, bubbly bath. <laughs> and, and there you go. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Take Cheers. care. Peace. Cheerio. Bye-bye. That was great. Thank you.